Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Welcome back. You guys are awesome. Some of you. No, all of you. You guys are awesome. So anyways, I got to enjoy this morning uh, seeing the girls like do their thing, getting the horses ready, brushing horses. It's every little girl's dream to brush a horse for eternity. It's like, yes, except the horse has the wings. And the, what's the Pegasus and Unicorn hybrid called? Alicorn, that's right. Kind of like Allosaurus. No, I'm just kidding, nothing like Allosaurus, but cool stuff. So a few years ago, my kids were really little at the time. Um, we were headed up to Virginia from North Carolina, and we had gone to the east of us towards Greensboro. Didn't really know exactly where I was on the map, just that I was on the right highway, you know what I mean? And uh, my wife was driving at the time, and I'm sitting over there. We had kind of just swapped off a little bit. I just swapped off, and all of a sudden, she started complaining about her back kind of hurting and, like, her side. And I was like, well, I can drive for a little bit, and, uh, or I can drive the rest of the way if you need me to. And so we just we, we start to look for an exit. There's no exits, right? So we just keep going. And then we go a little bit further, and she's like, oh, it's really kind of hurting. And I'm like, okay, we should probably pull over. At that time, the car started to smell weird, too. It's one of those smells where you start asking people around you, who did that, all right? Because it smelled like rotten eggs or hard-boiled eggs if they didn't have the whites on at all. It was just like crushed up and then shoved up your nostrils. That's how it smelled. And I was like, this, this, who did this? And then we're like, no, maybe it's the area. Maybe there's like a sewage plant or something, but there's nothing. It's just trees and stuff. We finally find this, like, we're on a highway, and we find what looks like a gravel turnoff, but it goes to nowhere. It's like, it goes down like 100 feet, and then it stops. It leads to nothing. But we turn down that anyway, and I get out, and like a regular man who tries to pretend he knows how to fix a car just because of a man, I pop the hood and just look at it. Because they can't see me. They just look like I know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I still figured it out, though, because the smell was coming from a specific area. And I looked down at our battery, and our battery is, like, stinking so bad. And there's, like, this yellowish smoke coming out from underneath it, like sulfur. And I leaned down to sniff it to make sure that was it, as if it could have been something else with this yellow smoke coming out. And it was worse when you got closer. And it was gurgling. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness. I didn't know at the time there's like different cells in there and they can burst and then they can cause eventually that battery to rupture and or explode. All right, which is always a good thing when you're down sniffing it to get a nostril full of battery acid if it happens to blow up. So I'm like, oh, this, I'm, I knew it possibly could blow up. It sounded like it could blow up. I started to lower the hood so I could, you know, like shield myself from it while I'm trying to figure out what to do. I look at my phone and I have no service. So I have no idea how to call anybody to help, a tow truck. We didn't have AAA or anything like that. And then I see my wife out of the corner of my eye kind of go past me. And I think she's going to avoid the smell probably. She's leaving the car to avoid the smell, leaving our kids to endure it. Because um, they're both like, one of them's in a car seat, one of them's really young next to, um, next to her. And I can't remember how old they were at the time, but they were little. And uh, my, my wife walks a little further away. And then I like, I'm like, I was going to turn around and be like, what should we do? And I look over her. She's back here like this. I'm like, oh, what is going on? My wife's blowing up. The car might blow up. Like, I don't know what's, what's happening. And I thought, it must be a really, really bad smell to cause her to just upchuck like that right in the middle of this gravel driveway that's not even our gravel driveway, by the way. I mean, I guess you can stir it in like you couldn't do in a concrete driveway or asphalt. Nobody would notice. You're like, 
well, this is one of those rare rocks. Look at it. It's like red. Anyways, so she's like throwing up over here. And then I look and she's holding her side. And I'm like, oh, no. Her appendix is going to burst. She really is going to blow up. (laughs) And my car is going to blow up. And my life's going to blow up. And my wife's going to blow up. Anyway, it's like, I'm like, this is not a good day. I go back to my phone. I'm six foot seven, which so I should have better service, right? I'm walking around like I'm my own cell tower trying to figure this out. My car's smelling. Daddy, can we get out too? Luke's like, no, you can't get out too. You don't want to see any of this, you know. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I'm like, you know what? I need to figure out where I am. So we didn't have this particular thing because this is from 2019. This is how they do it now. If you find these at truck stops, this is the big atlas for 2019 of all the roads in America if they haven't changed them since they printed this, which they have all the time. That's what they do. But at the time, we had a map map, a regular map. And maps, if you've ever seen a regular map of a state, they're made to be unfolded once and never, ever fold it again. You just have to trash it because it's like this random and you think you've got it and there's all these creases and seams and you're like, I can't get it back together. A crane, put it in the glove box, right? And you can't just figure it out. So I look at this and I get, I get to, we're, you know, our, I see our highway on there. And so I know that I'm on that highway. I know I haven't come to Greensboro yet. I know where I left from. I know nothing else. I don't see the gravel driveway on there. Look at that gravel driveway. Let's look up at the little thing, gravel driveway. Yeah, they don't have those. I had no idea where I was. And that's the problem with maps. If you don't have any idea where you are, a map's not going to help you at all. Unless you can figure out some sort of landmark on there, you can figure out some sort of street. I could not. There are no just little random streets coming off of this highway. I couldn't figure out where... I was at all, and, and so I don't know how to get to a hospital from there. I don't know how to get to an auto parts store from there to get a new battery. I just don't know what to do. I can't get cell service to call 911 and to get somebody to come help my wife, and I don't even know what the emergency number is for sick cars. Like, I just don't know what to do. It's kind of like when you're, in the, when you're in the mall, it's perfect. It didn't used to be. Seriously, this is how the mall used to be. When they first put up those signs showing you where everything was, the map of the mall, they did not have a you are here part. That's, that's like a newfangled thing. You were growing up in amazing times, all right? They didn't have that at first. You had to, like, do directional. You're like, okay, Yankee Candles here, and I see Bath and Body Works here. That must be why my smell triggers are trying to make a migraine out of this cocktail of cinnamon and tutti-frutti and what else is lemongrass. <laughs> Tea tree? You're like, I'll be like, what is going on? And you try to figure out where you are, like, I've got to get to this store, where is GameStop? And you try to figure it out, and you can't do it. Now, now they have this little handy-dandy, you are here thing, and that helps. And that's what we did to our maps, because now we have GPSs, and most people don't even use these anymore. I happen to have a TomTom. A lot of people use their, anybody, families use TomToms? Dun, 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 when it comes on. What about Garmin's? Anybody use a Garmin, their family? All right. What about just, you know, we have smartphones. Who uses Google Maps? Oh, that's the majority. What about Apple Maps? I actually prefer Apple Maps. We rarely use the TomTom. Waze. Who uses that? Okay. I have not ventured into that area yet. What? It tells you where the police are. Yeah, I'm, I don't. Okay, I don't speed, so I don't need to know where they are. If you're doing the right thing, you never need to know where they are. Anyways, okay. So, wow, you guys are like, do you get paid if somebody 
adds that to their phone, you look like you're getting commissioned or something. No, you got to download it now, Nate. You don't understand. <laughs> okay, anyways. So here we are. Like, I'm like, okay, we're going to just drive because I don't know where we are. I know if we keep going that direction, eventually we'll get to Greensboro. And so we start driving. I didn't know we were so close. We were very close. We were like five minutes away. The car's gurgling. I popped the hood just a little bit, but not all the way where it's still latched, just to help some of that smoky stuff come out of there so it doesn't build up too much and just blow up. I'm thinking I'm going to cool off my battery a little bit. It probably does work a little bit, but still, it's like gurgle, 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 gurgle. I've got all of the, all of the uh, air conditioning off and stuff because it was blowing stuff into us, and it smelled really bad. And then we finally pull into the hospital and I get my wife into the emergency room. I pull my car into its maybe final resting place in a parking spot. And so she gets admitted. And I'm like, I've got to take care of a couple of things. Please don't let her die. And then I go back out there. And my kids are there like, what's going to happen to mommy? I'm like, I don't know. So I get, I've, now I have service because I'm in the hospital parking lot. And I start calling. I call advanced auto parts. And advanced auto parts, they're getting ready to close and everything. They just can't do it. And, um, and AutoZone answers the phone. They've already closed. Why did you answer the phone then? If you can't help me, they're like, oh, we open up tomorrow at 7. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> you know, I didn't really hang it up because you don't do that anymore. I wish you could. I wish there was a slam down that you could do. Or at least it would sound like that on the other end. You'd hit your little thing and people hear like, ding Like that, that was really satisfying when I was in high school. And it's not there anymore. And you're like, press. I think he hung up. Did you hang up? I don't know. I want them to hear, click clang. Yeah, he hung up. Anyways, so I, I call O'Reilly. You guys have that here? O'Reilly. You guys are, yeah, you have it. So we had, I called O'Reilly. The guy answers the phone. It's almost 10 o'clock by this time. He answers the phone and they're closing at 10. And I'm like, dude, this is going to sound really weird. I'm at the hospital here in your town and uh, I, I need a battery. He's like, sure, if you can get here. It's like, we're closing like 15 minutes. Just drive over and we'll, we'll install the new. I'm like, you don't understand. I don't think my battery's going to make it. It's gurgling. Like, it sounds like it's going to vomit. And my wife did. And she's in the hospital. He's like, because she vomited? It sounds like a fake story. It's not a fake story. She might be, her appendix might be bursting. I have no idea what's happening to her. She's in there. I'm out here. I need you to do me a favor. He's like, what's the favor? I'm like, I need you when you get off work in 15 minutes to bring a battery to me at the hospital and install it for me. Bring your tools. And he's like, sir, we don't do that. I was like, I know you don't do that. I need you to do that. <laughs> okay, it's not your policy, but you need to alter your policy. This is, this is an emergency. This is extenuating circumstances. And I need you to just be, be, do a solid for me, bro. Be a human being for just a moment. What would O'Reilly do? Okay, like, do you know him? Have you met the guy? I don't know if he's a real dude. You're like, come on, man, help me out. And he was like, he was like uh, it's just, I don't know who you are. Or, I'm like, I'll give you my credit card number right now. You can do several things with that. You can buy things online with it. Just write the number down right now and go home. And I would, nobody would ever know because I never came in the store and you could totally scam me. I'm telling you, I'm not going to kill you if you come to the parking lot. I don't have guys waiting to take your money. You don't even have to bring your money. Just bring some tools and a battery. I'll give you the credit card number, and you can put it through. Make sure it's legit right now. I didn't steal it off a dead guy. I didn't make the guy dead before I stole it. I'm, now I'm sounding even creepier. I'm like really trying to take because he sounds creeped out. I'm like, I'm not going to kill you. Please, you can pull up slowly. I'll be out there. I'll have one of my kids standing by me. If you, if you think it's an unsafe situation, or my kid looks like he's got a, got a crazy look in his eye, you can keep driving, all right? So he's like, oh, give me the number. We'll see if it goes through. 
So we, we look up the part, I mean the, uh, the battery. He does the number and everything. He gets the battery. He, he closed the store and brought me the battery like the best O'Reilly auto parts person ever. And now Advance and Auto, <laughs> dead to me, dead to me. All right. Yes, they're great. That guy anyways in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you need some help, break down there. And so he came over and he put that in and everything. And I'm like, all right, man, where do you want me to put the battery? He's like, Dak, you can't put that in my car. It's about to blow up. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do with it? He's like, I don't know, put it in a trash bag. So I put it in a trash bag, put it back in my car in the back, like next to my daughter's diaper bag and stuff. And maybe it'll absorb some of the acid just in case, put all the diapers next to it, pack it in there. And uh, so my, my wife, meanwhile, this happens, the guy pulls off and I look up at the hospital and we start hearing sirens coming, which is not out of the ordinary for sirens to come towards a hospital. They're bringing people, right? But I look and all the lights off are in the hospital except these flashing emergency lights in every hallway that I can see through the windows. And I hear, ee, 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 ee. and I'm like, what is happening? Like, my wife's in there. They're supposed to be helping her. It appears that they're losing ground everywhere, that they're going to lose everybody. Meanwhile, my wife, who didn't have her appendix burst, she was having a kidney stone, all right? It's kind of like giving birth to a smaller, smaller, smaller thing. All right, and they say stone uh, as if it's round and shiny. They're like, it's like passing barbed wire. That's what it's like. And so it, it, come, it came through her system as she's walking around. Now, mind you this, it came, came through her system a little bit here. It was kind of painful, and then it went away. The pain went away. She's fine. She knows she has a kidney stone at this point. It's just going to pass at some point. All the pain is gone, and she had been pacing around, and they had put her in a room and she tells them, I think I'm fine now. And they're like, no, 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 we need to do some checks on you because they want their money. They don't want you to come in and just leave. And it would cost me over $1,000 for them to do nothing. Anyway, so she went into this, into this room. And then they came back by a little later when all the lights shut off and the flashers started going. And they were like, don't come out of this room no matter what you hear. And they closed the door. And she's thinking, like, zombies in the hallway? Like, what is happening here? Is this, I don't know what situation this is. But it doesn't sound good. And I don't even know, we, we never figured out what was going on at the hospital. They got the lights back on. We got back on the road. We think we're going to get there. It's already, by the time we get back on the road, it's already like 11 p.m. We were supposed to be there at like 4. All right, and it's, I mean, it's I'm probably later than that we were going to be there. But it was like a bad situation. Then we get stuck in this traffic for three and a half hours. Traffic on a road that never has traffic, and when we finally get up there, they had moved it out of the way a little bit using some bulldozers, but a, a tree about this big around had just randomly fallen on a car as it was driving down the highway. What are we going to do tomorrow? I mean, just crazy stuff. And I don't, I don't know what happened to the people who were in the car. I don't know if we would have been in that car if all that other stuff hadn't happened. If Not that car, but if our car had been there when the tree fell. I have no idea what happened. But I do know from that situation that the thing that panicked me the most wasn't the fact that my wife was sick or that the battery was. The, the panicking moment was I had no idea where I was. That panicked me more than anything, because if it happens somewhere where I know my way around, where I know where I can get help, where I know, hey, if I just get over this hill here, if I just run with my phone, I'll have signal. If I know the area, it helps me out so much more, but that panic that set in was, I have no idea where I am, and we might die here. You know, like that kind of panic that set in at the same time that really, really messed me up. And when Jesus was here on earth, he never had that. 
He went through all the same junk that we go through. You know, stubbed his toe, got sick, all the stuff that we go through. He went through that, but yet he never questioned where he was and what he was doing. He knew why he was here the whole time. And no matter what we go through, we go through junk on a regular basis, all of us do. There's nobody who's immune to it, who's like, yeah, my life's been pretty rosy. You know, like if it, if it has up to this point, hold on, strap on a seatbelt, put on a helmet because it's going to get worse. Because this is life on planet Earth. And it's a fallen place with messed up stuff that happens to us and that trickle down mess from other people's free will when they do stupid things. So in Isaiah, we're going to hit one phrase of this tonight. In the book of Isaiah, again, we're going to read the first couple verses again because we're hitting this third phrase tonight. The spirit of the sovereign Lord, that was our first phrase, sovereign Lord, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and yesterday we talked about to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And today we're going to talk about that phrase, comfort all who mourn. But those two right before it are kind of weird. It says that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Those sound like contradictory things, right? Hey, you guys want to see my favor and my vengeance? You know, it just sounds like two completely different things. Favor is that grace that he offers, and grace is a gift you don't deserve. And we didn't have time to do this last night. I wanted to get you out in a timely manner, but I could have really not told the people on this side that they were getting another piece of gum and played that out just a little bit longer and really mess with them. Because honestly... Life doesn't care, and life constantly just takes stuff from you, and people around you in this world um, just messes with you, and you might have had a great piece of gum that you just put in your mouth, and life's like, not today, and it's not God, it's life. And meanwhile, you see people who are just given this gift. Grace is like that. None of the people up here won a contest. They didn't have a llama on a stick or whatever that thing is they keep waving around because they did something cool. Nothing. They didn't do anything to deserve gum. I just gave them a piece of gum at random, right? And that's kind of how life seems sometimes. But it's not random when it comes to God's grace. To declare the day of the Lord's favor, Jesus was saying, I'm here. I'm here to tell you that I've got something for all of you. Now, I want you to imagine something for a second. This is how grace is. It's a gift you don't deserve. And he offers it to every single person. If I had up here tonight, I had boxes up here, and each box up here had your name on it. And I told you, at the end of the night, I want you to come up and get a gift. I bought this gift for you. It's for you, specifically for you, right? If I told you that, one, you might be excited. Two, you might be like, uh, maybe it's empty. I'm kind of skeptical. I don't know. Maybe you're like, I don't need anything. I, all my needs are met. Well, good for you, right? And you got all those things. And then I look up here later, and there's like 20 boxes. Everybody left. 20 of you decided for whatever reason, it was up to you, I never forced it on you, not to take your free gift. It would probably hurt me a little bit, especially if I couldn't get a refund for those items. That'd probably mess with me just a tad, be like, oh, these ungrateful people. But Jesus came, and he didn't say, okay, well, I like these people in this section, or I like these people right here, but not these guys so much. No, he didn't do that. He did this for everybody. He's like, when I die on the cross, when I pay the price for everyone's sin, all the punishment anybody should have for anything bad they've ever done. I'm going to take all that on me in the worst way possible. 
And I'm going to become sin for us who never knew any sin. Just like that snake on the pole that we talked about last night. So that I can give them a gift that they never earned. I'm going to take something I never deserved. And then I'm going to give them something they never deserved. He never deserved to be hurt, to be beaten, to be spit at, to be punched, to have his beard ripped out. This is what the Bible says that they did to him. To be, to be nailed to a cross. He didn't deserve any of that. And we never deserve to just be forgiven for without making amends for what we've done. And think about that. I mean, like, if, if a judge, if a judge constantly, every single time was like, ah, I'll, let, I'll let it slide this time, man. Okay, no, no, you're good, you're good, you're good. You know, every single time this world would go into chaos if judges did that. No one would ever, like, there'd be no reason not to just break the law on a regular basis. You'd be like, they're not going to do anything anyway. Run amok. You know, that, that's, what, that's what life would be like. But it'd be terrible, too, if every single judge never had mercy. And you're like, well, this is what happened. And my, my mom just died and this and that. And he's like, there's no excuse. I don't care. Yeah, you were starving, but you took that candy bar. Death. You know, like, if judges did that, too, you'd be like, whoa, I don't want to live in that world either. One world would be crazy with crime. And one world would be like, nobody left. Because like, we all do something wrong eventually. And then the judge is like, mm, you're done. Judge Judy style, because I believe that lady, if she, could, if she could administer the death penalty on TV, everybody would be in trouble. She's just, have you guys seen the other dude, the, um, the guy in, from Rhode Island, Judge, what's his name? The guy who's always letting people go, he's so nice. Like, you need a, a, like a mix of those two, where Judge Judy and him, I think that would be like the perfect judge, but just a little bit of each of them. This is what God's saying here, that he's declaring the Lord's favor, that's his grace and his love. And also the day of vengeance for our God, saying, yeah, crimes don't go unpunished. There is justice. You see, God is 100% love and 100% justice at the same time. Not 50 of each. That's humanity. You can do that as a human. We can be 50% of something and 50% of something. God can be 100% of both at the exact same time. So he says, because I'm 100% justice, there will not be one crime against me, which is sin. Not one sin that goes unpunished. Not one will go unpunished. And because I'm ultimately 100% love, I'm willing to take that punishment for them. See, if God was just love, he would do this right here. We're all messing up just like me. We're all messing up. We're doing stupid things. Things that bother God. And he's like, ah, you guys. You guys. I love you. You're all forgiven, all right? You're all forgiven. No Jesus' death on the cross, none of that stuff, just forgiveness, forgiveness, love, grace, mercy, healing, oh, flowers, all right? And then flowers come out of his fingertips, fill up the whole room. That's if God was 100% love. If God was 100% justice, he's like, you guys, you guys, I had a few standards here. You violated some of them. One is enough to separate you from me, and now you're going to pay. Then he pulls out like the biggest gun ever. He's like, da, 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 da. the room fills up with bullets, shells, and stuff. You know, that, that would be all justice or all love. A completely different thing. Completely different response. Completely different judge. And he's not a good judge if he lets everybody go. And he's not a merciful and loving judge if he just takes everybody out. And so God, because he's perfect and he has to be both at the same time, he says, okay, they do deserve punishment, but I'm willing to take that on them because I love them so much. But he won't violate that free will, just like he doesn't come in and stop everybody from doing bad things. That free will, he allows you to choose 
whether or not you're going to put your faith and trust in him. He allows you to choose whether or not Jesus' death will pay for your sins. It's crazy. You think, well, why would I choose otherwise? Why would I be like, no, I'll die for my own sins. I'll just keep going through this world without Jesus. You know, he, he wants to comfort those who are mourning means that Jesus is prepared just like he walked through all of the junk that we've done and became that sin for us who never knew any sin. He's ready and willing to walk through everything else we go through with us. We were never meant to walk through this world alone and go through the pain and the struggles and stuff that we go through without Jesus. It's kind of like we have no idea where we are, but we think if we keep making some right turns, or we take that left because our gut kind of says, well, maybe I should try this. You know, maybe this feels right to me. So oh, I think I've, wait, I think I've seen that tree before. Maybe I've done this before. Or I see somebody else go down a road that didn't, didn't end well for them. And we think, well, maybe I can get down that road better than they could. And we learn the same mistake. We learn the same um, lesson that they learned by making the same mistakes. And we just keep going. But we never have a you are here. It's like we're going through life not realizing where we are. And every once in a while, a place kind of seems familiar, but we never truly figure it out because we're on this highway and we don't know where we are, point A, point B. And God says, here's, here's where you are. I've got this GPS, this God positioning system. I've got this and I'll show you exactly where you are. I, I, you're, you're in the scope and the realm and the umbrella of my love and I'm reaching out to you and I've laid a present right here on the stage and it's got your name on it. Don't walk out the door without it. You don't have to do that. And there's a piece of confetti from the first night. That really messes with my ADD when something like that happens. Like, hello, thanks for joining us finally, confetti. All right, there's a whole bunch. It's hanging on up there from spider webs or something. We're going to clean that later. Maybe. Anyways, focus, Nate. <laughs> Usually I have to say focus. I'm talking to me. Focus. It's just weird. One year a dust bunny came down, just a random dust bunny, and then hopped off. No. Anyways, God wants to show us where we are. If we don't know where we are, we can never get out of where we are. We can never find the way out. We're just wandering around in a dark room. And Jesus, through the cross, shines a light on it and says, I'm right here, and here's where you are, and here's how you get to me. I've already done everything to make that path to me so simple and so easy. And most of us will try to keep making right and left turns. It's just the way of it. We do. We try to clean ourselves up before we come to God. We're like, you know what? I, I can't come to God. I've done so many, too many things, and if I, if I try to get to God, he's just going to reject me because I've got to balance this out. I've got to do more good than, than bad and everything. It's not like that. It's almost like every good deed you do weighs a feather, and any bad thing we do is a rock. You're never going to be like, I've got enough feathers now. It's anything, anything. You can't stand before any judge and say, okay, he's, he's like, okay, you murdered three people. All right. What have you to say for yourself? I gave some canned food to a food drive last year. I went on a missions trip, and I helped build a house. Also, also, I've never forgot my grandma's birthday. I give that lady flowers. Judge, what do you think? The judge is like, I think you killed three people. And I think there's other things that are relevant to this case. But we live life like good works are going to somehow balance out bad works. And I'm not saying we've killed three people, but anything that we've done is, is, is like so weighty compared to God. Because think about this. If I make a list of the worst things I can think of, 
the worst things I can think of, and I throw them on this list right here. I would, I would think like murder and child molesters and rapists and human traffickers and terrorists and stuff like that. I wouldn't put like gossipers on there or liars. You know why? Because I've gossiped and lied. But you know, that's besides the point. I wouldn't put thieves on here because I've taken something that doesn't belong to me before. But that's besides the point. No, it is exactly the point. The reason why I wouldn't put that stuff on this list is because my tolerance for those things goes up every time I do something that's wrong. And I haven't done these things yet. Hopefully never. I'm just saying we're people, and people can stoop to anything. But these are the things I haven't done, and the list, the list has gotten smaller in my life. It used to be a big list of things that I had never done before, and now the list is getting smaller and smaller. And this list over here of, 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 of things that I think are, you know, not too bad. I don't think you should die for these things contain all the bad things that I've done. You know, I'll just throw them on there. They're not the disrespect. I'll throw that one on there. And I'll just throw on, you know, like, like you, know, you know, fighting, you know, to put stuff like that or bullying somebody. You know, things that I don't do anymore, but I did do at some point. I'm putting it on here, and here it is, and things that I still do. And when I'm grumpy and yell at my kids or whatever, which never happens. Just kidding. You can ask Luke. It does. And, and you know, put it there. Like, when I, when I just be a human being, and this is just being a human being. And then, then you ask the murderer. He's like, this is just being a human being. No, not really, monster. Anyway, it's like, but to him, maybe so. And if you ask murderers, there's times where they've asked murderers or told murderers that there was going to be a child molester put near their wing in prison, and they're like, hey, put them in my cell because they want to kill them because they see child molestation is way worse than murder because they are not a child molester. They're a murderer. And when, we're, when we do something wrong, we don't think that's a big deal. It goes on this list, and murder has made this list for them and come off of this list of heinous crimes. Now it's like, oh, that's not so bad, so I snuffed out a human life. Big deal. It was Dave. He deserved it. All right, so like, you put it there. And we kind of move those around. Imagine for a second, God doesn't have two lists. He's got one list of all the things, all the wrong things that he's never done, and it's got every wrong thing on it. Every last sin that you can think of. And it would fill up that list, and we would fill up every single wall in here. And the last one we would write on the wall is vandalism because we wrote on the walls. And you know, all of that stuff would be there. And God says, all of these things equally separate you from me. No matter what it is, they all separate people from me, and Jesus died for all of it. Not a little bit of it, all of it. And some people have a hard time coming to Jesus because they can't understand how Jesus could forgive certain people. People that have hurt them, people who have done them wrong, and they're like, you know what, you mean if that person came to Jesus right now and said, you know, forgive me, I've sinned and I need your forgiveness, that Jesus would forgive them? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, that's what the Bible says. And they're like, well, then I'm, I don't want anything to do with him. Why would he forgive them that way? See, Jesus thinks of sin differently than we do. He hates it, yeah, but he loves the people who are in it. When, when I think of like, when the child molester gets caught and it makes the newspaper in my area, in newspapers like Google on print. Anyways, when it's, when it's in there and people know about it, I'm not like, ah, I wonder what, I wonder what jail they've got the guy in before they transfer into prison. You think they'd let me bring him a cake? What cake does he like? What is his favorite flavor cake? And I call, the, I call the jail and be like, hey, you got that child molester still? Does he like cake? No, I don't think that way. I'm like, well, man, couldn't they have just shot him? I mean, like, he's a child molester. I mean, that's how we think as people, right? Couldn't we have just, I hope he goes to prison for the rest of his life. We think that way because we're, we, 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 we don't have love for people who do things wrong, especially things wrong to us or who hurt us or our friends or our family. And all sin is against God. 
And so it's like every time we've done something wrong, we've done it not just to the people who we've hurt, we've done it to him. And he still says, I love you. One of the things Jesus said on the cross, he looked down at people who were spitting on him. A guy who was hanging on a cross next to him who actually deserved to be there, who's like making fun of him. He's like, if you're really the son of God, save yourself and save us. And Jesus' response is to look up to heaven and say to God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's just like, God, Father, hold back. Hold back your wrath. Like, don't, don't intervene. They don't get it now. They will soon. That's his response to people who harm him and who hurt him. And it's not the way we respond. So it's so foreign to us, it's hard to believe that a God who hates sin so much could love the people that do the things that he can't stand. That's foreign to us. We're not like that. And we pretend to be sometimes. We're like, oh, I hate the sin and I love the sinner. Usually, no, not so much. We kind of can't stand the sinner because the sinner's messing with us and they're bothering us. And he, he, the guy who keeps poking me in the back, you know. I'm like, Lord, 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 kill him. I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I mean we, we, we just, we don't like when people bother us. You know what I'm saying? We don't like when people do wrong to us. And God loves us. And he doesn't just love you. I want you to catch this for a second because I love my family. I love my friends. I can't say that I always like them. But I love them. I would die for them. But there's times where I'm like, oh, I don't like you very much right now. I need to walk away and breathe. God loves you and he likes you all the time. And he loves you not because you can be something cleaned up and beautiful. He loves you at your worst. The love of Christ is demonstrated in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. He loved you at your worst, and he knows who you can be at your best, and he can help you get there. That's what he offers to you. And tomorrow we're going to talk deeper into how he makes beauty from ashes and how he can do that very thing for you. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for each and every guy and girl here. Lord, for their leaders too who've been here now six weeks, maybe even a training week. I don't know. They've been here all summer. God, we, we, we're getting to the midway point of this week, and it's been a little hotter than usual. There's probably a lot of tired people here. And that tiredness may lead us to be a little on edge, a little grumpy, maybe a little self-centered, and not thinking about other people around us, God, and maybe not even opened up to the love that you're offering. God, I pray that you would give us energy. Lord, that we would remain... <laughs> very much in tune and aware of what you're saying to our heart. God, I pray that this week there would be students who go home changed because they came in without your forgiveness and they leave with it. God, that's the defining, the defining factor and defining moment of my life when I received that gift that you had for me, that grace that I didn't deserve. I couldn't earn it. I didn't deserve it, but you didn't deserve taking my sins, and you did it. What an exchange. Thank you for what you've done since then in my life and what you can do in each of these students' lives, Lord, to show us right on the map, oh, oh, you are right here, and I've got you, and from here on out, I walk with you. What an awesome, awesome journey you offer us. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight, God, that uh, our time of hanging out would be awesome, that we'd have fun with it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. 
Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.